Welcome to Opening Presence, the podcast about creative self-realization. My name is Aaron Robinson. Thank you so much for joining me. In today's episode, I sit down with Raylan Jones. He's the executive director of PDX Black Excellence, a nonprofit organization dedicated to creating awareness, equity, and unifying Portland's black community. In this conversation, Raylan shares the experiences that led him onto the path of sobriety from alcohol. We also reflect on how taking inventory of self leads to better decision-making, which directly affects our future outcomes. If you enjoy this episode, make sure to share it with a friend. Now, without further ado, welcome to Opening Presence. Welcome to Opening Presence. My name is Aaron Robinson. Thank you so much for joining us on a rainy day in the middle of summer. What do you know? Portland, Oregon. Here we are. Today I am joined by Raylan Jones. How are you? Hey, I'm out here. I'm feeling good. I'm in the crib. I'm in a building. I'm good. Hell yeah. You are mighty comfortable. You're the first person to ever put their feet up on my coffee table. And I'm glad that that you have found comfort in my space. You know, thank you. I was going to ask about that. And then, but then, you know, I was like, <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm trying to be comfortable. You know, I'm trying to get my element to be in your element. Right. So I got to meet you somewhere. Yeah, you're definitely uh, you're here. You're hanging out on, on the I don't know if this is oak or whatever, but nevertheless, it, it feel good. <laughs> yeah, thanks thanks for being here and, and for sitting down. I know we've taken like we've been talking about this for a while and like mixed schedules up and all that kind of stuff, but I'm glad that we it was going to happen regardless, but but we are here most definitely and uh thank you for having me. Uh it's obviously been on the docket on the to-do list. This is uh the first podcast that I've done in uh, this year uh, for sure, but maybe in about a year. So mm-hmm. I've done about three podcasts now and uh-huh. you're the first one in my welcome back tour. So hey, welcome know. back. Yeah. Welcome to yeah. opening presence. Hey. Okay. So do you remember where we met? Hell no. Really? Nah, bro. Oh, I remember where we met. I'm you sure talked you my ear off. I was like, why is this dude <laughs> following me everywhere? <laughs> California love. <you> know? <laughs> He's like, oh, I smell I smell San Diego in the house. Yeah, them taco shots. Yeah, it was uh there. it was at a OSU event with Jonathan Riley oh, in downtown yeah. mm-hmm. and Trap Kitchen uh catered it. Yep. I forget what the topic of it was, but anything that John's doing. Mm-hmm. Actually I met uh, Chili there too, Chili for them. Oh yeah, I was. Ju- I'm just editing their podcast right now with the Garden. Oh dope. So in that same sphere, uh, I remember meeting you there. Okay. And we were talking about our San Diego ties. Yeah. Okay. Now that you rejogged my memory, appreciate that. You know, like it's funny because now I met. I think it's really because I met so many people in a very short period of time that I've just lost that aspect of memory because we have a lot of interactions, and it's like, damn, I don't think about the initials much anymore which mm-hmm. is funny thing to think of but I don't you know and uh it's actually funny because I did my due diligence you know I try to dive into a little bit of the podcast on the way over I do like hella extra homework but you know I did like my cliff notes worth of homework you feel I lifted by like two minutes about 10 episodes right that's all of the info I got and I heard you ask somebody in one of them like hey you talking about how where, where we met and I was like 
I don't know that at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I brought it up. <laughs> yeah, but I do remember that now. So thank you for bringing it up. I actually had met Brother Jonathan Riley that night as well. Really? Um, that was the first time you met? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We had a mutual friend and um, they had asked, uh, reached out about promoting the event on Black Excellence. And me being an OSU alumni, I was like, for sure, you know, because I, I rock beavers, you know, go beavers. You know, I'm strong out here. Beaver strong. Damn proud. And so, yeah, you know, I promoted it and then I got invited to it. And then when I showed up, Jonathan hadn't learned about black excellence at that point. Uh, and I met him and yeah, I just hung out and then started talking to people. You know how I do. I do know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, since you brought it up, like. Let's dive into black excellence and, and what that means to you and your mission. Aaron, that's a great question, but we're not going to go that route just yet, okay? Okay. I got a surprise for you. <laughs> hey, tell me, yeah, tell me where you want to go. Yeah, Aaron. Where does you know, Raylan want to go? Exactly. This, gonna, this is your world. I'm saying, you know, and we're going to do things a little differently. You know, I, like I said, I listened about like <laughs> two minutes to everybody episode, and it's cool. You was doing your thing out there. You felt very comfortable. You sounded good. <laughs> you steered it in the right direction, and that's cool. But I got to get on your level. I'm not quite comfortable there yet, right? Okay. So, so I'm going to get to your level first we're gonna get comfortable together where would, where would you like to go and then we'll bring this back okay <laughs> so hey look i got i got this i got uh, this you, you kick back yeah bro because you know now we're gonna take it to a different level so i'm gonna start with you okay so uh first and foremost congratulations <laughs> i know you did your your 100th episode thank uh, you celebration recently that's a major milestone accomplishment how you feeling about that i feel really good i feel i feel like it's just gonna be a lot more work to get it where i want it to go but mm -hmm. I think highlighting an accomplishment like that and yeah. taking time to pause and stop and to appreciate it was the step for me. It was like a growth learning experience right there, which is be like, all right, stop. Let's shine a light on self as much as I would rather shine a light on somebody else doing something and allow people to express uh, thanks or celebrate me for a second. So <laughs> yeah. that was like the learning experience. But now it's like, the time has passed, it's coming, it's gone, and it's like we're back to go to 200 now. Hey, I feel that, but hey, look, the time ain't never coming in past to celebrate you, my friend. All right, this is going to be another 100 <laughs> episodes of continuously celebrating you vicariously through others' testimony. Wonderful. At the end of the day, you bring this out. Dude, so. you should be a preacher. You know, look, man, I got my... I feel like you can get banked doing that, bro. <laughs> you might as well. I, I, I don't know about a preacher, man. I, I, I don't want to be a... I'm more of a hustler than anything, you know. I think that's embedded in me, but uh, but yeah, I could sell, I could sell some stuff. For yeah, sure. you could, like you could sell cars if you want to. No, I don't. I don't. <laughs> like, I don't. Pass, yeah, hard pass. Hard pass. You know, I'm trying. To, <laughs> you know, I'm trying to sell this real. If I'm being real with you, you know, and like I think that's where I'm most blessed and skilled at is to give my most genuine, authentic version of myself out to people, and uh, you could take it or leave it. But you know, a lot of people rock with it apparently, and I'm gonna keep doing it. Cause that's how I do it. And so, um, so getting back on track though, you know, we don't want to get too far away from where we're going with this episode. Yeah, yeah, right? Where are we going? Yeah. I'm yeah. You, so it, yeah. I'm, and I'm about to tell you. <laughs> and so I would like to know, you know, how did you, or, or what's your drive? Like, how did you get going with this? Cause I don't have that background. How did you get going with open presence and, and what's your drive to continue on with this? Like, why do you want to know all these testimonies? Ooh, good question. I think it's growing up my life in San Diego and deferring to other people as far as like whose idea should be used for XYZ or politically like who 
whose ideas are the best and kind of uh, becoming, not being an advocate for self. It was like, let's defer to whoever else has the idea, even though I feel genuinely qualified and connected to lead in certain uh, scenarios and always kind of just staying quiet. So the story is like a lot longer as far as just like personal experiences. But at the beginning of the pandemic, it was definitely it was just time. It was like, yo, I can't sit back and just like let all these goofies take the steering <laughs> wheel and like steer us off the cliff. It's like, sure. it's like, no, I got something to say and I feel confident and uh, feel like I'm coming from the right place. I have the right intentions to lead and have the right intentions to, uh, or trust in myself to share the truth as I see it and allow it to evolve over time. Cause nowadays it's like, you can't, be wrong like you you get condemned and canceled if you are wrong about something and there's no recourse to forgiveness or anything and not to say it's like there's some like ignorant people that deserve to be canceled there's like like offenders that should be canceled for the things that they've done but there's no nuance in that yeah so um wanting to and feeling the need that like more there need to be more voices instead of just like a couple of voices out there that people are listening to and it's like yo like there's more people than like Van Lathan and like whoever's on the news and just like no jumper podcasts and stuff. It's like, there's a whole ecosystem and and we need, we need everybody's voice. Yeah. Um, But yeah, just finding my way. And like, this is just the way that I'm going to choose to express myself. Word. Well, that's really dope, man. I really respect that because uh, first and foremost, you are Eagle in that leadership and that, um, you know, that perspective and just that outlook in life. And it's great to have a like-minded person, somebody you can meet in a certain space. You can't meet everybody there. So I don't know about everybody's voice because some people's voice is probably, you know, <coughs> Kanye. I'm joking. I'm going to let that one go. I know you probably still he, rock with Kanye. Uh, so here and there. Hey, it's like, I, I just don't like, take it seriously. Right. I wasn't even trying to take it there. I'm just saying, like, I do respect your approach and the thought behind why you're going about this. So, uh, lastly, and I'm gonna let you get back. Yeah. On, <laughs> I'll let you get back on schedule. I swear I didn't do it. I didn't, I didn't do it. It's not my gun. Um, I want to know, you know, because I'm talking to you and I love it. I love your energy. I love everything about you. I'm, I'm, I appreciate you having me here to be one of these voices that you capture and these minds that you want to hear from. But, um, you know, I want to feel. I want to get a feel for the audience. Like, who am I talking to? Because you know, that's going to kind of sway me in terms of where I can get comfortable with. Like, you know, I, I want to know what your audience got on right now. You got ladies in your audience. You got men out there. You got testosterone driven. Do- like, we who, got, who are we talking so, to? So, like, the demographics are close to, it's like 48, 49%. So, so men to women, it's 48 to 49. And then non-gender specific is like point, like, is like 3% or something like that. So, making up the difference. But that's about it, though. Like, I put out a lot of kind of calls, like, to, like, either on the podcast or on social media. It's like, there's this thing on, uh, on Anchor, which I host my podcast, where you can, like, send in, like, voicemail messages and stuff. And there's, like, listeners, like, all around the world, like, in, like, Denmark, like, Portugal, like, Canada, like, all over the world, there's, like, at least one or two people that, like, have tuned into the podcast. I don't know how frequently or not, but I get all of, like, the information of where people are listening from. Okay. Um, The age range is, like, 27 to 35, so kind of in that area where it's, like, the facade of 
what you've been sold is kind of like wearing off completely. Like when you're still like 24, 25, right. you're still like riding under like the illusion of what you're supposed to be doing and the influence of school and your parents and all that kind of stuff. So I feel like similar to myself in that range where it's like that funk begins to like wear off and now you have to like figure out how, like who your authentic self is and how you're going to apply yourself into the world. So that's kind of the demo that I feel like I'm speaking to is like, let's heal ourselves, let's build ourselves and let's go act in the world, like in our highest interest and transform. Nice. I love that. I don't know if they're naked though. Man, you know, that was my next question too. I was like, hey, what the ladies look like? And do they like black men? All right, I'm comfortable (laughs) now. Denmark just, just shout out Denmark one time. A man mentioned it. Uh, I don't know if you noticed about me, but I lived in Denmark for about eight months. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, I have a tattoo of, of Denmark, Harper and flag. I'm a, it's my only other residency, the only other place I've established a citizenship. So no shit. So yeah. Yeah. I'm, I was a Danish citizen for a little bit. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah that's my here, intuition fam. for you. I just bring up Denmark. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you pulled it out. So. All right, fam. Do your thing, man. All right. Cool. So San Diego. <laughs> now that I'm getting my podcast back. Thank you for my podcast. You took it hostage. Hey, look. <laughs> <I had to laughs> like Grand Theft Auto. Like, yeah. All right. Here you go. But yeah, San Diego. Like that's a, a common thread between the both of us. Like where did you grow up in San Diego and what was your experience there? Word. So I did not grow up in San Diego. I am from the Bay Area, Oakland in the house, baby. Let's go. Okay. I rep this Bay thing strong. Um, so I was born in Oakland. I've lived around the Bay Area. Um, before moving here, I was in Vallejo, but um, Antioch, you know, Richmond, um, Emeryville, um, the Bay Area. That's where my family's from. My dad's from Oakland. My mom's from Oakland. Both my sides of my family from Oakland, so I'm a I'm a Bay baby. Um, but in regards to, uh, so we have the California lineage, right? I'm North Bay or North Cali, North Cali, you Southern. But I actually did spend a couple of years in San Diego. I went to San Diego State for two years, um, and I lived in a little place called La Mesa. Uh, I gave it my best shot. It was very utopic. All you people are very beautiful out there, including yourself, by the way, sir. Thank you. Um, pause. If I need to say that, I don't know if your viewership no, that or not. Okay, cool, cool. Um, and yeah, man, like I vibe with San Diego. I, it's it's almost too perfect, though. It is. Yeah. Yeah. There's not a, there's not enough edges to right. it. So it's just like a wide open. Like, where's the conflict? You kind of right. got to create it yourself, in a right. sense. Like, you got to have some sort of uh stimuli whether that's drugs or just getting in trouble and stuff because it's just like you can literally just hang out on the beach eat tacos drink beer 365 and and not face any conflict nothing you know i'm gonna give you a story of the only conflict that i ever created because i don't i don't like drama like at all you don't Nah, now do I strike you as somebody that likes drama? I wouldn't say likes drama, but definitely doesn't shy away from conflict. Oh, I'm with the shits. I got, I got, I got, I welcome all the smoke. You know what I mean? Where there's smoke, there's fire. And <laughs> you call me the firefighter, the fireman, whatever the case. Yeah, I definitely with it. But nah, I don't like drama personally. Like I grew up with so much of it in my life. Um, and it's just something that I, you know, I live by the motto. Like I wanted to be drama free growing up because between my family and, you know, the environment that I was in, there's always so much drama um, growing up in the inner city and black households. I mean, I'm sure you're familiar, but it was a, it was a lot of drama I was raised by all women. And um, but, yeah, it was a lot of drama. So I'm drama free. That's my 
mentality at least. And, um, but back to the, back to the topic, this is a, this is a story never been told on wax, but I'm gonna give it to you one time, you know, hopefully nobody in the viewership audience is judgmental. But, uh, so I moved to San Diego when I was roughly 20 years old and, uh, I had a fake ID up until that point. Right. So I'm out here in the clubs, but I've been in the club for a long time here. I've been out here in these streets. Too long. Maybe probably 16 I mean, actually, the first club I went to, I was 14 years old in Reno. That doesn't sound like fun at all. It was, though. <laughs> so much fun. Ugh. It was the first time I drank, too. Reno. Hot August nights. It's, it's a vibe. It's a theme. My cousin was a rapper. Uh, they had a record release party, so I just went with him. They ID'd me. I'm in the club at 14. And I kind of, I was bigger. I was always the size. So, like, you know, I'm getting it. You know, I've never been scared. So. I was living my best life. But, um, yeah, man, you know, I had a fake ID, um, which was cool everywhere except for PB, apparently, right? Mm. So I go to PB, not too far away from my 21st birthday, but I go to PB. I give him my fake ID. Dude is like, what's your birthday or whatever? I give him the birthday. The dude's birthday was like two weeks after mine. It was easy peasy. Dude was like, nah, this is a fake ID. I'm taking it. I was like, bro, that's my ID. He was like, nah, I go get the cops. And I was like, nope, I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> so you know i lost that fake id but it was cool my birthday was only like a few months away my 21st birthday and uh and so on my 21st birthday fast forward um my roommates at the time i had i was staying in a place i had some ethiopian roommates that were baller ballers like my my roommate owned this town home sick town home like four bedrooms three stories uh super nice he had this clean white on white pearl Lexus like some new thing with some 22s on it like them thing. man be out there ghost riding the whip chains glistening and things one of them that oh, they grew up with Nick Cannon actually mm. um, and one of them uh, they they owned a, a studio um, out in San Diego but a lot of rappers came through anyway that's another story for another time <laughs> they end up taking me out on my birthday um, 21st birthday we go out now keep in mind I'm a re- relatively poor college student at this point in my life up until this point in my life and though i drink i don't know how to drink i just know that i'm trying to get drunk that makes sense Mm -hmm. and i'm trying to do it efficiently and and cost effectively right and so well they didn't have those problems and they take me out to this dope san diego club in uh the gas lamp district um it was an indoor outdoor club i don't remember the name of it but it was super dope like we're partying inside, but there's no roof, so the outside exposed. You can only do shit like that in San Diego, of course, um, like those outdoor malls. But mm-hmm. they knew the bartender, too. So not only is my drinks free, but the bartender is hooking it up, hooking it up. So, like, he making it extra. Well, keep in mind, I still, you know, I don't really know how to drink like that. So I'm ordering, uh, damn, what are those things called? I don't even get them no more. What's, like, them really strong drinks? But anyways, I'm getting them and I'm getting them frequently. I'm drinking them because they taste good, but they're really, really strong. Get to the point where I'm gone. I'm blacked out. First time I ever blacked out. Gone. My roommates put me in a cab to go home. I don't remember any of this. The cab doesn't take me home. Dun, 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 dun. The cab instead takes me to the mayor of La Mesa's house. What? <laughs> I have no idea why. But that's where he dropped me off at. It's probably like mm, 15 minutes away from my my house. Uh, And I have no idea. But the next thing I know, I am um, in the back of a police car screaming because the handcuffs are so 
tight. My wrists are being like traumatized. They're literally being tortured. These cuffs are so tight. And when you're in the back of a police car, it's small back there. Like you mm-hmm. can't even sit straight, you know? So I'm like pressed against the and I'm and that's all I remember the consciousness points that I had was like yelling like yo these motherfucking handcuffs too tight yo and they don't get fuck right so that's all I remember they dropped me off at detox so they took me back downtown I just mm-hmm. came from downtown took me back downtown I remember waking up in detox it was hilarious because it was like all these like cots in this room just this wide open space and all these like fallen soldiers like drunk people on cots <laughs> Drunk tank is not a fun place. Like it just smells fu- so funky in there. Yeah, I, it honestly it wasn't. My experience wasn't too bad. Again, this is San Diego detox, so it's a little better than probably the average detox. Sure, it's not like Mississippi or Alabama, like or Tijuana, deep, deep South. Oh, T- I'm scared of TJ. I used to go down there when I was like 17, and right. like we would like my baseball team. We'd be at Hooters in North County off off the 78. <laughs> Um, in Oceanside and it's like I think it was like my junior year and we're just like hey like let's go to TJ right now it was like nine o'clock on like a Friday night and we'd all hop in somebody's car and just drive Mm. like an hour and a half to the border walk park walk (laughs) over and then go to like uh, all the different like strip clubs and all that kind of stuff and try to stay out of like out of trouble it's like this it's like yo like we know even though we're like young and stupid but it was like we knew like not to fuck around like down there because we could just get thrown in jail or whatever it's like there's no rules down there right we could just disappear like that right easy it's just crazy though like when you're in san diego you just literally walk across yeah what do you feel like uh like that experience taught you or dealing with something like that because i've i've had like trouble like like at least growing up with like with alcohol and like many times like i've like gotten a DUI before and like ended up in the drunk tank. Like I, like I got pulled over plenty of times for doing nothing in high school. Like mm-hmm. I, I've, uh, I went to jail for, uh, I guess like drinking at the college. Cause I used to use like the music studio and I would always be there like really late at night, like one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning. And one of the, I guess like cleaning ladies, cause like the studio was like next to like the library and all that kind of stuff. So we were kind of going in and out, but we had access, but like we'd bring like, like a six pack in there and drink and record music and, mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And one time uh, the cops came and we're like, wait, what the hell? And apparently like the woman like called the cops on us. And I, I, I was like, oh yeah, we don't have anything on us. And like in my spiteful, like petty revenge, type of streak that I had once the cop left I went to the bathroom and I was just like you know what I'm gonna show this lady I'm gonna like pee in the trash can <laughs> and I, I was peeing in the trash can and she opens the door and sees me and I was just like oh shit <laughs> and then long story short like the cops the cop came back like arrested me put handcuffs on me and took me to the drunk tank I yeah. was not drunk but I was like I just knew that like I had fucked up and I was like, you know what? I'll take this L. Like I'm not going to run. I'm not going to do anything. Cause like that was my bad in that moment. And as far as alcohol, it's like, I've lost three jobs like because mm-hmm. of alcohol, not like there's like a situation around it. That's like, Oh, like that wasn't like completely my fault, but it was mm-hmm. like, I had to like really come to the terms. I was like, Oh shit. Like regardless of how I want to paint the picture of like who wanted me to get fired, who 
didn't have any compassion, who like mistook the situation, I had to look in the mirror and be like, oh, like alcohol is a part of this and it was my responsibility. But what do you feel like you've learned like with your relationship to alcohol over the years? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think if anything, if I were going to dive into anything right now um, in terms of reflectiveness or growth, uh, it would be my relationship with alcohol currently. And uh, as it current currently stands, um, I am uh, sober. Um, I am I do not drink alcohol anymore and uh, I don't intend to going forward for forever. So, wow, I've, I've given up alcohol. Dude. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not something that I ever thought would ever, ever be the case. But um, yeah, here I am 21 years later. Literally, mm. I've been drinking longer than I haven't been drinking in my life. And, mm. um, and yeah, this year uh, coming off of um, a really hard time for myself, um, I realized that one I needed to make changes um and two that this substance that I was dependent on at certain times was detrimental um for my long-term health and I'm not so stubborn to the point where I can't recognize things that I need to do uh, to improve myself and the betterment of my life so I made that decision and honestly it wasn't <laughs> as hard as maybe not you might think but for me it hadn't been as hard of of something to do uh, surprisingly in all honesty um i once directly saw the correlation of how it negatively impacted me on a physical decision making level on a on a how i how i felt how i responded to it on my my journey back to um you know, recovery, mental health. And, and it was just like, it just showed me in that breath, like here I am going this way. And then this experience with alcohol brings me down and then feeling like, okay, I'm coping with it now. Right. Like I'm using it as a coping mechanism because I'm not comfortable without it. Mm -hmm. Um, and really just, you know, recognizing that and saying, Hey, you know, actually I'm gonna give a shout out one time to Nicole Thompson, um, she was also one of the kind of forces that guided me to really say, I'm going to give it up because, um, when I'd met her, she had quit drinking and she had been sober for two years. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to, you know, I'm going to only drink occasionally, like on really special occasions. Right. Not often, you know, like at all. Right. And she's like, nah, you just got to cold turkey quit. Cause you're like, that's a slippery slope. You know, you, you, you always give yourself the option when you have that kind of mentality. And she was right. You know, like I knew she was right. Yeah. Logically it made sense. And then when I reflected on it, I thought about it. I was like, you know what? Damn near every year I start, I'm like, I'm going to drink less by the end of the year. I'm drunk again. I'm drunk regularly again. So in that process, I think it's important to highlight kind of like the negotiation point. Cause I went through that same point too, where it's like, I went, like three months sober once I made the decision and mm -hmm. then I tried it again and I was just like, nah, this ain't it. And yeah. then I, that was like my, my time. But sometimes like people give themselves those loose boundaries and it's like, you go three weeks and you're like, Ooh, I did it. I'm going to celebrate with right. a drink. Like right. I did three days, I did three weeks sober. Yep. I'm going to celebrate. And then you're like, eh, and you kind of go for a little bit 
and then you stay off again maybe for a little bit longer like yep. a month and it's like oh let's celebrate the month and get a drink but have you experienced kind of like that negotiating window because there's the thing is like i, I want to make abundantly clear is like there's no failure in the journey when when thinking of it as like a lifelong thing mm-hmm. so it's like not holding ourselves to these impossible standards like of course like like yes like it's a beautiful thing when we make that decision for ourselves but it's like we're still worthy of love if we sl- take a slide back and something happens and whatnot it's like we always have that next day to like start over again and, and allowing ourselves to like start over again because i think that was really important like when i first started getting sober and then i was like Oh, like I kind of felt like that shame and the guilt because I was like, I was three months sober and I just like wasted it. Mm-hmm. But it's like, no, like I have another opportunity to to start again. And, and that's always there. There's not like this, like if you if you don't, there's no failure in in that journey. It's just like the willingness to come back to love ourselves and then try it again. Yeah. Um, no, you're absolutely right. Um, in regards to that relationship and that negotiation, and in all honesty, even though if I look at it in this current moment, it hasn't been one because I really just made the firm decision that I'm going to stop. And yeah. that's where I'm at with it. I, I could see the benefits and I can recognize, hey, I'm trying to live out here. You know what I mean? Like I, that's where I had to take it with is like you need to do what's best for you in terms to survive. Mm-hmm. And for you to survive, you need to make this decision for yourself. And, and if you can't recognize that, then you're stubborn beyond you know approach to to being a better person or worth I don't want to say worth saving but like you know I had to make that decision for myself mm-hmm. um but throughout throughout my life you know I've been an athlete and I've taken times where I've stopped drinking before for months um when I want to focus on my health or getting losing weight or something like that so I don't have an addictive personality um so certain things are, and I'm very disciplined when I put my mind to it. I'm really one of those kind of, um, you can achieve whatever you put your mind to kind of people. But in this regard, and in those moments when I've done it that way, it's kind of been that, all right, I'm fighting for a goal, a mm-hmm. month, a week, three weeks, this, and then I know at some point it's going to change, right? Yeah. Um, and so then we can go celebrate. But in this moment, um, I, I would say the real you know, between those other two factors that I said in regards to negotiation, there's two other ones. One was that um, I hung out with people while I was sober. And typically when I've done that in the past, I'm like, oh, this shit ain't for me. Like everybody's on a whole nother level. I can't relate. I can't interact. I can't be a part of it. It ruins the experience for me or so I thought, right? And maybe it's growth in myself or maybe it's growth in my surroundings because the people around me maybe aren't like 21 to 25 year olds that are so ridiculous when they're drunk that it's like, you know, like not to be on that level would completely ruin the experience. But, um, you know, I, I hung out with people that were drinking. I even served drinks, <laughs> you know, I served drinks to people while I was sober and I enjoyed myself. I realized in that moment I didn't need alcohol to enjoy the moment with people mm-hmm. even while they were drinking. And that's just something I never thought would be the case in all honesty, but I hadn't tried it in so long real realistically like that. I, you know, so it just so happened to come about that way. And I was like, this isn't too bad. And, and I've been doing it quite regularly now. And it's like, you know, and in some ways it's actually funny. It's like, 
in some ways I feel like I have an advantage, you know, like, yeah. Like know? if anything were to go down right now, it's like, I'm, I'm awake. I'm aware. Super aware, <laughs> bro. Super aware. And when I'm talking to people, like, like I'm on a mentally higher level than you are. You're, you know, inebriated, you're incapacitated yeah. to some degree. Yeah. I'm still thriving right now and I could mm -hmm. still be, you know, you know me, Aaron, it's, I'm not drunk right now. Well, it's like, we can still have fun too. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. It's like, do you enjoy being with yourself? Like that's the ultimate flex is like, I'm at peace with myself no right. matter what the external conditions are. Everyone's turning up, having a great old time. And it's like, I'm having a great old time too. It's right. like there's nothing different between me and y'all that are like chugging Jose Cuervo. Absolutely. And that's I don't know who in the world would ever do that, but <laughs> hopefully nobody, but there are people out there. I'm, I'm aware. Um, but yeah, no, you're 100% right. And uh, that was the key. That, that was one. There's one other one I'm going to touch on, but that was a key. It was like, yo, not only am I okay, but I'm enjoying myself. Like I'm still having a great time. Went out last night and a friend of mine, Bradley, is like, man, you still got the energy. You still damn near the life of this spot and you ain't had a drink. And I'm like, man, I'm dancing out here. I'm moving and grooving, you know, I'm speaking with the best of them, you know, whatever. I'm enjoying myself and I don't have an ounce of alcohol in me. So, you know, that was a revolution to me or a revelation or whatever you want to call it. It was uh, something that I wasn't aware that I had in me. And I'm really glad that I experienced because I feel like not only is my overall health better, like. But I mean, every day I'm so fresh, I'm so sharp mm. at all times. I feel like it's allowed me to take another step in terms of focus and growth and achievement and just putting myself in the best position. And that really goes back to the last point I wanted to touch on in terms of that uh, in the negotiation part in terms of where you can find negotiations at. Right. The biggest part for me is um, and I won't say the biggest, but another major factor is my decision making is so much better at all time. And this ties back into all of the things that we were previously discussing, DUIs, ending up in drunk tanks, spending reckless amounts of money on booze for no reason. I'm going out on a Tuesday, Wednesday night. Why am I spending $150 at the bar? Why? What am I gaining from that the next day? I'm making dumb decisions. I'm making phone calls. I'm having interactions that I shouldn't have. I'm tarnishing my relationships occasionally or I'm, 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 my body's in turmoil the next three days. I'm not sharp for work four days later. Whatever the case, I get a DUI. Whatever the case, the decision-making is detrimental to my overall progression in life. And when I started to reflect back on that, literally as you described it, I started to think about all of the kind of negative things that are really like um, happened or transitioned to uh, in my life, like significantly bad things right and a lot of them are tied to alcohol you know i got a dui it wasn't i could say that it's a dui that i shouldn't have got there's definitely some racist intent behind oh it. same here i'm just like i'm like the campus police when we we're all at like the bar and everything i had like two drinks and then these kids like begged me to take them back to their dorm like way away from my school like way away from where i was heading home mm -hmm. and i had to go i I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I went out of my way to take these kids to their apartment. And when I was doing like the walk the line test, the cops were like shaking the lights and shit. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. But anyways, yeah. sorry to interrupt. No, no worries. Decisions. Mine was way worse. Just so you know, I'm out in the middle of nowhere. I get a flat tire. I had a couple of drinks at a wedding. I was driving back from the wedding, like a couple of miles away from where I'm going. I call my tow truck this, in the middle of this town <laughs> in, in a part of Oregon that probably does not have a very 
diverse demographic. I know that could be Portland, but we're not. It's not. It's worse than that. <laughs> Anyways, uh, the tow truck driver, because they were all in on it, called the cops. And yeah, and then they ended up getting us like two hours after the whole like getting a flat tire and everything. Mm. And they just they they did the most. They knew what they were doing. It was a money grab and they got it. And it really cost me some things. But to get back to my point, um, you know, reality. Yeah, I can look at other things and say, well, this, this and that could have been the reasoning why or I could attribute it to something else. But at some point, you know, especially when you're reflective, you can take a level of accountability and you should take a level of accountability. That's a major factor in growth, you know, is accountability, right? Like, sure, certain aspects of things might not go the way you want them to go. But what did you do? Where's your part in it all? What can you take responsibility for and improve upon? And I think we get so comfortable in the idea that our regular outlook is we drink. So this shouldn't be a negative consequence that comes out at, from it shouldn't be, really be something that we have to reflect back to on in terms of accountability on ourselves. Right. Yeah. Because it's a part of life for us. Right. Yeah. But in reality, like this is a thing that influences your decision making. And it really does. And, you know, I really I thought about that as I was becoming sober and as I, you know, wanted to get myself in a better place and from it I just you know I make so many so much better decisions like I really feel like I'm in really complete control of wherever I want things to go with my life at all mm -hmm. times like whether it's relationship building whether it's intent focus purpose um, how I'm going to interact uh, this evening tomorrow evening tomorrow morning like I have now put myself in the best place to make the best decisions for myself in life and it feels really good mm. uh, it, it feels like I've really taken another step in life um and maybe you need to go through you know I'm all about experience I, I won't say I'm all about it but this is a question I might have for you later because it's something I, I've been thinking about lately and it's like can you achieve a certain level levels of growth without going through certain experiences or without achieving a level of experience that you know so well that it's a part of you and now you're not just a oh I told you this is good advice and maybe you can take it or not but like your core your body yeah, knows I, that. I go to that question a lot like my thing is like can people like commit to a daily meditation practice without having like an extreme trauma that like makes them run to the practice because it's their last resort can you like operate from a sense of just inspiration right instead of just like having the most traumatic thing in the world happen like i think kind of like my relationship to i think that's what happened with like quitting drinking was just like the question is like yo can life be better mm -hmm. like can it just be better like than what i've been experiencing because i'm not happy this one thing that i keep coming back to never gives me what I really want. I really want to have a great conversation with a bad chick at the <laughs> end of the night and come back and do our thing. Mm -hmm. And that shit never happened. Yeah. You should have seen the ones that I went with. <laughs> like you should have seen the destruction. Like it was not pretty. Trust me, I've been it there was before. not I know you have. Like I can look at you, I'm like, no, we've been down yeah, the same road before. Know. Oh my God. Like I just call my brother. He'd be like, dog not pretty right, right. and literally yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> literally literally yeah bad situations um yeah but just like i'm like yo i've ran this path i've ran this race every single like 
all the time. I keep on running this race and it never steers me to the heightened, deeply connected experience that I'm seeking. Right. So I'm like, how about I stop running this race? Like, how about I turn in my numbered bib across my chest? Let me take these shoes. Let me start running a different race. For sure. And let's, let's go into practice and let's meditate and let's do that thing. Mm-hmm. But the idea of like, can you, I think it's listening to the intuition and that yearning for something because it's like we always have like that yearning and it's like we know like we're like humans are smart like we have intuition we know when we're operating like in our highest purpose and we know if we're on the right track or not a lot of the times it just takes too much work to get off of this track and then try to get good at another track because it's like you know what like that shit takes effort i don't want to take effort and since nobody's here to fucking hold me accountable Mm -hmm. like i don't need to like because like everyone around me is saying that this is cool right like you're just being you're being supported by society you're being supported by your friends to make fucked up decisions right there's not you'd only get like a little slap on the wrist you might stay in the drunk tank but you come back out you could still get access to the bar right you could still get access to all the things to the to the casino to whatever you want like the world is your oyster in the west it's like you can run yourself into the ground repeatedly and no one's ever going to look at you and say that you have a problem right so when you finally are like you know what like let's just let's just remove myself from all of these situations and get to the core of self and i think we all have that instinctual desire for something more something more connected that resonates with us and only a few of us like really identify that deep dissatisfaction and take one step in that direction. Like how monumental is just the one step, but the one after you take the first, you could take the second. And that's, that's like what I hope to kind of like shed light on and uncover with this podcast. It just started with just like a curiosity. Mm -hmm. And I think being honest in, in our assessments of self and being like, yo, like, I keep on doing this thing. It's not giving me what I want. Let's just try this other thing for on for size for just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then that new experience, when we finally have a new experience, like you said, like dancing sober, dancing sober is like a monumental feat. Right. Like for real. Like, you're like, Oh, I'm fucking really getting into this. <laughs> right. Like, like this is right. fine. Like Absolutely. I'm good. It, it takes a little bit, but you have to face that anxiety that you face like when it's so much easier, like when you're drunk or a couple shots in, right. and you can just run straight onto the dance floor. Right. But get when it. everybody's like dancing and having a good time and you're the one sober person in there, you get confronted with a wall of anxiety and fear. And then it's like, if you face yourself in that moment and just be like, yo, like, let me just have a good time. Yeah. Like, look how big of like a win that is to be able to like show up and still have a great, great ass time, still bust a move, still pull a baddie, whatever, hey. whatever floats your boat. But yes, sir. I think it's, it's more challenging for us to, to enter different spaces that like sobriety is not the norm. And then you have to face, continually face yourself over and over again. Right. Is, is the, the growth point. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Um, and it's, I love that this knowledge is being dropped and this conversation is being had, you know, like I don't, and I, and I hope also that your listeners can understand that one, that we are talking about alcohol and making that change. Uh, in reality, it's more so identifying things in your life that could be detrimental or things that could be holding back your progression or things that can be causing conflict and internals in your life. And maybe for me, that's alcohol. And maybe for someone else, that's another thing or another thing, but just being able to have that self-awareness and identify it and 
and be willing, like you said, you know, and it, is, it takes a lot sometimes to put in that work to say, hey, I'm going to make these changes um, because it's one thing to learn. Um, it's another thing to uh, actually commit to um, learning from your mistakes and making the necessary corrections in your life, the changes that you need to do to get better. And a lot of people we do, we get content, you know, we're content at the end of the day. It's easy. It's norm. It's, uh, and, and to speak to what you brought up, honestly, I, I just caught, I just had a, a talk a week ago uh, with a good friend of mine, Tim Taylor, and we were having this conversation about me not drinking. I'm at a party. Everybody's lit. I'm not drinking. I'm pl- playing flip cup with, no alcohol you know what i mean i'm doing doing all the alcoholic things you know it's not that big a deal honestly but um i'm having a conversation with him he's he's a little lit and he's like man i would love to quit drinking but he's like society pushes it to us every day it's in our faces in our environment and he's like and my partner sometimes we're not really serious want to talk about drinking but then or stop drinking and then but he's like you know you you drink it happy hour you drink with friends and social gatherings you drink at work you know business meetings like it's so integrated in our culture and our society as a norm and it's like how do you break out of that um, without feeling outcasted or not you know and it's just and you know I don't have honestly you know or obviously I don't have um, the answer for everybody it took me facing an extreme situation to reflect on it in the way that I had and made the decision that um, that I've made to go forward with it. But I will share a pro tip uh, for people that might not be aware of this. Um, I don't know if there's a psychological thing behind it, but I feel like there has to be because there's something about in being in drinking environments, having something to drink, having oh, yeah, something in your sure. hand. And you can still achieve these things, having something to drink, having something in your hand that isn't water in those settings and what i've learned pro tip go to the bars soda water with lime if you want to disguise it and think that make people think you're not you are drinking even though that's not my intent but the fact that you got like a little carbonated process it's not necessarily water it gives you a little extra you're sipping it a little slower it gives Mm -hmm. a little bit more to it those are free yeah those are free bro add bitters had bitters you make know it taste mean? like shit yeah you know <laughs> I mean? Look, like, oh this tastes just like drink <laughs> right right those are free so you can go to the bar and drink those i get soda waters and lime everywhere i go now mm-hmm. or you can get mocktails and people are like you know am i gonna get a mocktail a mocktail looks all fancy you're getting like a a fancy juice you're paying maybe a premium for it but at the end of the day the point is like i have something in my hand i'm sipping on something opposed to i'm just standing there while everybody else and it, it, it really sure. it makes a difference i don't know why but it really makes a difference yeah um, I, i'll run through some cbd sodas i'm yeah. just like just constantly just like let me get another you put I, me I, on I spend, the cbd I spend, sodas i spend as much on cbd drinks as i do as i did like with drink drinks yeah yeah, yeah. I'm like what the hell's going on with these eight dollar cbd drinks no you put me crazy on the, put me on the damn cbd drinks i had to go back to my soda water with lines them cbd drinks was getting me yeah a little extra wavy yeah and i was like yeah i'm gonna go back. back yeah but i had a great i had a great mojito mocktail i had like three of them last night the little thing we was at and it was a vibe it tasted good i'm dancing with it i'm sipping it you know it's mm-hmm. like so I, that's a pro tip that's that's really again i'm gonna say this um I got two Mike Tyson references for this podcast. I don't know if we're going to get to the second one. I hope so. But in this first one, um, I was listening to Mike Tyson, who is a very, I don't care what your 
take on man is man is kind of brilliant yo and he's very in touch with himself mm-hmm. very self-aware and intellectual in that way spirit is good his energy is good um man's is like man's felt bad for punching that dude on the plane and he deserved every bit of that punch in the face in that plane. And Mike was like, nah, that wasn't good. That, that was bad on my on my part. He said, I took inventory that day, and I didn't pass. Mm. And I thought that was strong, man, taking inventory of self on a daily basis. And that's something now, you know, I, I didn't necessarily reflect on it in the same way with that word inventory. But after hearing that, um, it's now something that I've incorporated in myself. It's like I take inventory at the end of the day on who I am and what I've done and how I can reflect on my day. And that helps me hold myself to a level of accountability, right? And that's something that I can build on. That's something that I can learn from. That's mm-hmm. something I can strive to do better with, mm-hmm. holding yourself to some level of accountability. So I don't know really how that got started. I just kind of wanted to shout out that share that from mike because mike is a dope dude shout out mike tyson yeah shout out mike tyson and thank you for sharing like your journey with with uh alcohol and like it's all about like growth and transformation like you just completely changed the trajectory because there's like a whole slew of life experiences that just simply won't happen Mm -hmm. anymore moving forward right it's like that can't happen because of like the the domino effect of of said substances and now it's just like ooh, like what is on the other side of that and what is like inspiring what is the magic that i'm going to like walk into because i don't know i haven't walked this path before so now it's like the curiosity um kind of starts mm-hmm. cool so now can we talk about black excellence hey i get <laughs> we got back here huh? <laughs> i'm like we made Took it a little while yeah, but we, we got we here, made huh? it we sure, made it sure what would you like to know uh, I want to know like how it started and why Black Excellence. Like, why is that? How you want to represent yourself, and what is it doing for Portland and its communities? Black Excellence started with my love for us. Like, I love us, bro. Like, I love being black. I'm 100% unapologetically black, and I don't care how anybody else looks at me in that light or what anybody else's idea of black love is that's, that's between them and the lord that ain't none of my business you know what i mean at the end of the day but i grew up black i i love black culture um black has been poured into me and it's the reason why i am who i am today black is beautiful black is strength black is love black is excellence and i've had that in my mind for in my heart <laughs> for a long time it didn't, didn't just happen when when the, when the slogan was made you know what i mean like this is something i felt for i mean since i was a youth you know since i was out there and i would say probably high school i would say high school is when they really i i had that real reflection of that you know i, I love black you know like I, I, I it's it's given me everything it's given my my style it's given me my my creativity it's given me my outlook in life it's given me my slang it's given me my love it's given me everything it's given the world everything we get a world everything that part you see what i'm saying and 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 then when you can recognize that it's like damn man name a dope culture you can't you can't i'm sorry you can't i'm not a sorry i told you i'm unapologetic you can't so anyways i'm, I'm super pro-black uh, when i was younger i thought you know 
when I finish up with school, I'm going to school for business. When I finish up with school, I want to do something for my community because I can see the perils in my community. I can see the struggles. I can understand how things weren't fair. That's the way I looked at it. Like things aren't fair and I want to do something to improve and give back to my community. And what I thought was, um, <laughs> just funny because you said I should be a preacher earlier. So this is full circle. Now we're really coming back full circle here. So what I thought was is that um, after I finished up with business, you know, I'm, you know, my natural trajectory, I'm going to school for four years, start a thriving business, get all these ducats, start a family, own a house, you know, basically retire by the time I'm 30. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. You know, I've had that dream. Yeah. You know, that timeline. And so obviously that wasn't the case, but when I was mapping all this out, I was like, you know, after I do my business thing and make my money and whatnot, I'm going to go into politics. Like I'm going to go into politics and I'm going to do something, maybe get a park built or something like that in the inner city, but I'm going to do something for the community and politics. Actually, um, one of my early mentors and it wasn't like a real mentor mentor, but it kind of was, was a dude that I looked up to that was a business dude. And he gave me game, you know, in that regard, uh, he's also on the city council and he allowed me to digest some of that as well. And I was like, between that and the wire, the wire also put me on the politics, right? That was the first educator to me of politics and that influence and what it could be. Um, and then this, this person, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to go to politics. And then, um, thought it's something I could thrive in. Obviously I can talk and hopefully inspire when I speak occasionally. Um, somebody told me I was a leader recently. Um, not that I haven't thought that I wasn't, but at the end of the day, I just, I'm a determined person. I want to get things done. Um, and so it's going to go into politics. That was my outlook on life. And then my man, Barack Obama gets elected president. I'm actually in San Diego at the time when he does it. Happy as hell. He threw me a little party with my little Costco pizzas and some wine at the <laughs> time. And, uh, we're so excited and, you know, I'm just ecstatic about the first uh, black president and then I saw how they did my man Barack I saw America America showed us true colors politics showed the true colors for me maybe it had always been that way but it lifted the blinders for me right and it really went to show that no matter what this man intent was it, it was always gonna go how it was gonna go for the most part that's how America works but what also showed me is Barack is the best of best Negroes in my opinion like this Negro is so articulate and smart and he could play both sides of the field as best as a person could do in that position, in my opinion. Right. Super dope. Great dude. Um, I am not Barack. <laughs> to some degree, I'm very ignorant intentionally like and then on other levels, I keep it one thousand. I can't give you politics. I can't give you PC. Like if I'm passionate about something, if I believe in something, I'm going to say what I mean and mean what I say. And it's going to come out just that way, mm -hmm. especially at that time in my life. You know and I'm like? Well, if this is how they do, if this is how they do the best Negro I've ever seen, man, trying to get people some health care and they out here shutting down the country over it. I'm like, I don't stand a chance in politics. They going to ridicule my black ass. It ain't going to happen for me like that. Right. So I lost that aspiration to ever pursue that um, identity um, in terms of altering things or changing things for or, or giving back to my community my culture um in that way um and so fast forward it's still a part of me it lives in me right like i want to do something for my people 
um, at some point. Um, the backstory really comes from selfish intent. I had some bad experiences moving here in Portland. Um, I, I, I had only met two, two, I had only met three black people in the first two and a half years that I lived here. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. It's rough. And those three people I met at seafood and wine, the coast of Newport, I was like, Oh, there's niggas. Hey, you know, like come talk to me. And, uh, then, um, they were cool. We ended up linking up when we got back to Portland. So that was dope. But yeah, man, I, I moved here. When I moved here, I moved to Northwest Portland. So on 21st Street in the Alphabet District. So obviously. That place is white, white. White, white, the white. The whitest white. part of Portland. Yeah, I mean, you know what I mean? I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then I'm also working in Lake Oswego. You know what I mean? And so um, Lake Oswego for those people out there that want to be correct. But um working in Lake, Lake Oswego and um, also significantly white, right? I'm in. A, a position that most people find themselves in and still to this day, the only black person or one of a couple in the company. Right. And I don't have opportunity to intersect with black people, whether I'm at home, whether I'm working, and that's where you spend majority of your waking hours. Right. Like I'm not Batman going out at night trying to find Negroes. You know what I mean? Like it's not my alter identity. Is Negro man? You know I'm not that person. You know, like so. You know, at at times, you know, like I, I just don't have opportunity to meet us. And I got to the point where I was getting ready to leave. You know, I was like, I can't do this. I don't have any connection with my culture, my community here. Like many people probably have experienced and gone down in Portland. And I, uh, I'm looking at places. I'm looking at Charlotte. I'm looking at Houston. I'm looking at North. Uh, I'm looking at Atlanta. I'm like, yeah, I want to buy a home. I want to meet a black woman. Like, I don't even have the opportunity to meet black women here. You know, first and foremost, we all know the same five black women. I know it's more than five. I'm just saying that's what it felt like, right? So there's that overlap part. And then second and second most, like, I mean, I don't see y'all. I don't know where they at. And and now this is messing up my opportunity to be with a black woman right <laughs> like it just doesn't even exist and like so all right so i gotta go i gotta go find this for me and um before that happened i had one really strong experience that i was able to generate it was the basis of black excellence uh the vessel for it was um black panther um i ended up hosting a a, a black panther viewing watching party um, like when it came out on DVD, um, and when it when it came out, because I love the movie so much, and when it came out at this time, I'd known five black people. I grew <laughs> five had grew by two, <laughs> and we or three had grew by two. Hope <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> we're getting there right, uh, and leading right up into the week of, I met one more, Althea Stafford, and so six black people is what I know. I was like, well, I'm hosting an event at my apartment to watch this movie. And all six people came. We got two more, three more somehow, and ended up being nine of us. And it was a vibe. It was everything you wanted it to be, all the experience, all the culture, all the love that I needed, that I grew up with, that I loved. And I was like, if I can't replicate this, if I can't find a way to have this community here with me, I'm out, period. So from that day forward, I took a personal initiative um, myself that – you know, opposed to just a head nod, you know, a passing by, if I were to see a black person, you know, the general acceptable acknowledgement, I was going to speak to every black person that I ever saw <laughs> in Portland. I literally speak to them. I don't care if it was a couple of words. I don't care what the conversation led to. I was going to speak to them. 
from that point forward, I literally, every single place that I went, I spoke the barbershop. I spoke to the black people in there, the clubs, the bars. I spoke to any, in any, I don't care who you were with passing down the street. I would cross the street to speak to another black person. Mm. If I saw that happening. Um, and when I had made the black Panther viewing party, I made an Instagram group chat called a black Panther viewing watching party. I changed that to PDX black excellence. It's just a group chat on Instagram. And then I just started adding all these black people that I would meet. And one after the other, that group chat grew to like a hundred plus deep and it was thriving. It was popping. I didn't know about any of the other outlets like the black Portland Facebook group or mm. simple X or any of these things. Right. This is the only community I got is this Instagram group chat and it's thriving. I met a lot of great people that were wanting to be a part of it. Um, and yeah, from there, I mean, that's where the intent came from. Um, from there, I started doing events that were predominantly black, but you know, brought culture and diversity to Portland. Um, and people just kind of wanted me to keep going with it. And, and then I started learning that there were black businesses and black events that were happening. And I was like, well, I didn't know about any of this and I wanted to create something for others to have this awareness so people didn't have to experience the learning curve that I had to experience, but also so anybody could benefit from it, right? And everybody, mm -hmm. and we should, right? I wanted to see the people that were producing the events, wanted to see them thrive. You know, I want people to know that Aaron's celebrating his 100th podcast you know, like, yeah, I saw you posted it. Like I, whenever I post anything, it's like, I like, you're the, one of the only people who ever like reshares or reposts and always showing love and directing people towards the things that I'm doing and things that other black men and women are throwing like in the city. It's like, yo, like if anybody needs to like, wants to know like what is going down with us, it's like PDX black excellence is the spot. It's like looking at like your whole feed. It's like, yo, there's shit happening every single week. Yeah, literally every day of every single week. And, that, and that's shout out to Kayla Washington. I'm, I actually don't get too involved in the, the social media anymore. I'm working on some of the other things behind Black Excellence. We are a nonprofit organization and we, we do have a for profit side as well. But uh, Kayla holds down the social media. She's the one that is posting uh, all of the events that everyone sees for the most part now. That's something I did start when it was just me. Mm -hmm. um, when it was just me, which wasn't too long ago but now we're it's 30 plus of us actually 30 plus god damn yeah shit, i need to get at least one more person i'm like i'm doing all this shit like god damn someone want to help out with this taking yeah. applications <laughs> right yeah look man you got to find somebody to help you one, one one way or the other that's the only way you can grow most definitely and uh kayla kayla was a person that allowed me to step away and put what i need to to be responsible for, um, put myself in that, those spaces. Mm -hmm. Uh, it allowed me to take away. Cause I'll tell you this, like now it's a little easier. Everybody's like shit, sending us messages, share my events, et cetera, tagging us and everything. It didn't start out that way. Sure. Like now we're, we're known. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I can't wait till that time comes for me where everyone's like, Oh, hey, Aaron, I, how you been? Right. I'm like, okay, right. where was you on episode three? Hey, look, you'll get, you'll get there. <laughs> yeah, you'll most definitely. There. Where do you feel like uh, PDX Black Excellence is today? And like, what are you guys focusing on right now? Yeah, so today it's just about tightening up the ship and really getting focused in terms of where we want to be in, in mission driven, right? Um, 
because it was, you know, nobody gave me no blueprint on how to do this. You know, I just, mm-hmm. this is something I wanted to do. I wanted to create awareness and create, you know, honestly, a level of economy, drive economy. Equity. Yeah. To, you know, black Portland, you know what I mean? And, um, nobody told me how to do that. It's just me taking logical things that I knew, passion that I had, understandings that I had using the resources available to me that I could utilize and just kind of running with it, whatever thoughts and ideas I could. I've had great support. Sharon Simmons, shout out to Jay. He'd been around from the beginning as our creative director. So any of the visuals that stem from us that you might see, that's all Jaron, the logo, me and him set together and created that thing ourselves throughout all the frustrations that we had. But all that to say is um, we've regrouped. We were spreading ourselves kind of out there because at some, you know, here's the thing about that I've learned recently. If you're a doer, if you're somebody that's willing to do things and getting things done, people are going to want to do things with you. And that can be a good thing. But if you don't know how to navigate through that correctly, it could be a bad thing, honestly, because there's not a lot of doers. There's not a lot of leaders. There's not a lot of people that get things done. And especially at a high level, you know. Things like this, they start out small, and then next thing you know, I'm watching you on whatever next show because you've been committed to your your craft and your dedication. You're a doer. You're somebody that's willing to put in the work to excel and see your results, drive the results that you want to see, right? And I'm one of those people, and because of that, there's always been so much, hey, Raylan, do this. Raylan, let's do this. Let's do this. Hey, I'm doing this. Hey, you want to be a part of this, 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 and that, right? And this is another level of growth that I've been able to reach recently is because I was spread myself. I, was, I, I realized I was spreading myself thin. Like I'm giving everything I got to everybody mm-hmm. in, in so many different ways. And though some of it, I wanted to reflect back on black excellence. Cause it's like, oh, okay, I get to expand this brand and collaborate and, and, and put, um, put this thing in the, in the, in the light, in a place that it can thrive and shine and be recognized. But at the end of the day, it's like more often than not, you're giving a lot to somebody else, you know, and I kind of got away from really honing in and really staying dedicated to what we are trying to do because I'm just giving it out to everyone else to do their things, you know, mm-hmm. which is why I took a step back from podcasts, you know, because it's always something I th- you know, I didn't want to do these things, but it's always something always for me, always. Yeah. Yeah, I I think it it is it's just a part of like the path though, and recognizing it and just being like, oh, like I, coming back to just the decisions, it's like, oh, I don't have to do all of these things. Right. And I can kind of like navigate after like learning where we're spreading ourselves thin and not being reciprocated in that manner, because it's like, okay, I need to seek opportunities and experiences and collaborations that are an equal investment. Exactly. And people are willing to put in the same amount of time, effort, or intention. And we have the power to say yes or no at the end of the day. And yeah, it's all just like a learning experience. Yeah. And I hope you, you know, as you, you know, I'm sure you talk to this more, but it's important to speak to that because I mean, I'm 35 years old and this is something that I'm still learning at this point in my life. And it's like, wow, like energy conservation, right? Like (laughs) 
It's crazy. Like <laughs> it's, it, <laughs> energy conservation, aka the energy you started with the podcast and to the energy that we've settled into now. Right. You know, <laughs> You're like, you know what? I can't keep up with this this whole time. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just something like it's it's a real thing, man. Your energy, what you have to give, it's not an unlimited pot. For sure. Sometimes we think we can do everything and and we're such a society where it's go, go, go. Keep thriving, keep thriving, get better, get better, accomplish, accomplish, accomplish. So then it's like everything that comes your way, you feel like in order to keep up or meet where your expectations are, you got to keep giving and giving and giving and going and going and going. And man, if you're not conscious enough, man, that, that shit will eat you alive, man. And yeah. And um, and I wasn't honestly like as as smart as I may be in certain ways. There's a lot of ways that I'm very ignorant and there's a lot of opportunity for me to learn and grow and I try to seize those moments and and anyways to get back on track <laughs> I hope you t- I hope you speak to this more because I, I know you're the right person to have that level of conversation um, with with other uh, guests and with your members and your audience but it, you're you're so good at it already naturally I mean shit, you identify I'd be like Aaron, come up. Hey, Aaron. Hey, Raylan. I seen I seen the growth in you lately, bro. Like, <laughs> can we speak to that? It's like, dang, you observational ass Negro. Like, <laughs> you just be out here observing. Literally, I'm listening to like the first two minutes of ten podcasts, and first two minutes, Aaron's recognizing something about someone. It's like, damn, Aaron, you most observational person. Shit. I well, I appreciate you observing like what I do and. uh for taking this time and and I do want to highlight like the growth that I've seen in you over the last couple of years because I just sent you that text because it was just like every single time I see you there's like new layers of yourself that you've either shed or that you've put on but you're constantly transforming no matter like what hardships happen like I've seen a lot of different sides of you but I I truly commend that like your dedication to yourself at the end of the day and and not holding on to certain things and just being like, you know what, like I'm going to take accountability for things and I'm going to change things because all of us have that same opportunity. And I think being an example of like what we can do with the opportunity that we have in this lifetime is all we can do is like inspire somebody to just make a decision and then support them with those decisions and, and show that there is a way. But uh, yeah, with that said, is there anything else you'd like to share with our beautiful listeners? Yeah, I mean, definitely what you said, I second that 100%. Um lastly, I guess if 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 this is if, if this is all we got, if this if are we starting out right now, or we're getting ready to sign out. All right, well, so just to finish up where Black Excellence is headed, um we're getting ready to kind of like relaunch. Um we want to focus on really um really connection, man, like in in a lot of different ways and and connecting this city um, the network and the fabric of, of, of this city, you know, so it's not so siloed and it's not so individualistic because there's, there's a lot of brilliance here and there's a lot of good people and a lot of businesses and we need to bring that together. We need to regain that connection. And with all the different people coming here and people getting spread out, we need to find a way to hone it back in and we're working on that. So we got an event coming up, Black Business, Black Business. It'll be coming up uh, here in uh, September, September 11th. Nice. It's a that's, Sunday. That's my sobriety date. Hey, well, come out. And <laughs> I'll be four years sober on wow, September 11th. Four years. Four years. Wow, congratulations. Wow. Man. I didn't know that. Yeah, September 11th. Oh, wow. That's major. Significant. <laughs> well, 
wish me luck. I mean, I, I think I got this, but I can't, you know, I look forward to continuing this journey myself and that sobriety. And, um, but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm excited. I look forward to supporting the community. I look forward to growing and, um, you know, if your viewers are, you know, in Portland and you want to tap in with the black community, learn some black businesses, we're going to be focusing this upcoming event is going to be, uh, hair, hair care. So we're going to get these nice. barbershop owners and these salon owners That's smart. out here and you can come and meet them and learn and connect and, and really engage, but we're going to do it in a flyway. It's going to be some surprise out there. You know, it's going to be some, some music, some entertainment value. It's going to be some, some competition in there. It's going to be, it's going to be fly. It's going to be something you've never seen before here. So I advise you to circle that on your calendar, September 11th, black excellence, as you know, it now will be relaunching in regards to the events that we produce and we're coming back strong in a major way. So I hope to see you out there, my friend. Wonderful. Where can people find you on the interwebs? On the interwebs, man. Well, so obviously if you're, if you're looking to connect, you can go to Instagram, PDX black excellence. You can, you can go to www.pdx black excellence. So we have a website as well where you can find a directory of businesses, black businesses in Portland events as well. Um, if you wanted to, reach me personally if you wanted to keep following up my journey you can find me at raylan j r-a-l-e-n-j um and that's on instagram and then raylan jones on facebook and what i will say to that is i have acknowledged the the power in sharing my journey so i do try to um continuously and consciously and actively give a little bit of that um where I think it can benefit others in those social spaces or in those interweb spaces. So please follow, please uh, reach out if you ever feel any, 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 a need to, or a desire to, I'm really big in mental health. Everybody, you know, therapy is good. Everybody therapy, acupuncture, uh, take walks, drink water, colonics. There you go. <laughs> Get the meditation in. Aaron got a grip of books right here, right now. You know what I mean? Exercise your brain, never quit learning. You know what I mean? It's important. So, uh, that's it, bro. You know, beautiful. Well, thank you, Raylan. And thank you all for listening to opening presence. Mm-hmm.